Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. Praise God. Well, I'm glad you came back this week. After teaching on sin last week. So I'm going to teach on sin some more. Well, it's the greatest hindrance to receiving from God. Robs you of your joy, your peace. Keeps you bitter, full of anger, full of resentment. You got to learn to deal with it. Now, I, I really didn't want to teach these, these things that I'm teaching on this subject, but the Lord is really... This week, I'm like, okay, let me, I'm going to go somewhere else. And the Lord is like, no, you're not. You're going to stay right where I tell you to. And you're going to teach right what I tell you to teach. I said, okay, Lord. Now, the Lord, gave, he, he said this to me, and I thought it was really good. He said, a lot of people, when they get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, they learn how to be good, but they don't learn how to live righteous. Now, let me say that again. A lot of people, when they get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, they learn how to be good. Now, I, in prayer and meditating on that, the Lord kind of amplified it in me. He says, they learn through their own willpower to be good. They just quit doing some stuff that they used to do and really are still very tempted to do it, but just have mustered enough willpower not to do it anymore. But if you learn to live righteous and not just live good, well, I'm a good person. I got saved and I got filled with the Holy Ghost and I go to church, you know, and, and, but, but man, I still struggle. You know, a lot of people still struggle with all kinds of things that are not right. Your flesh, your, your mind, you entertain things in your mind, you cooperate with, the, uh, with things with your flesh, and you're like, and you're always living in a state of condemnation. It's always hard to have joy. Because the devil, he's the one always tempting you. He's the one on this shoulder over here saying, do it, do it, do it. And then once you've done it, he's the one that jumps on the other shoulder and says, now nah, you've done it. You've done it now. Now you're in trouble. God, God hates you. God's going to do this. God's going to do this. And it's all a lie. Remember, he's a liar. But if you don't recognize and you don't understand, I guess I had a, an advantage over a lot of people in being saved early in my life and filled with the Holy Ghost, then getting away from God and knowing what it was like to be away from God and then coming back to God. Because I immediately recognized I just couldn't be a good person and serve God. I had to be a righteous person. I had to go beyond just, just taking my, my soulish willpower and resisting my addictions and habits of my backslidden life. I had Listen, I had to be free. Everybody say free. And that is the desire of your heavenly Father. Through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ is for you to have complete freedom. Freedom from any addiction you've ever suffered under. Freedom from any temptation you've ever had, whether it be uh, some immoral lifestyle you used to be, uh, some sexual thing, no matter what it is. God literally desires for you to be totally free of that. We are not only free of the desire to do it, you're free of its, of its, of its past ability to manipulate and control you. I tell you, if the devil can't play you anymore, he's lost you. And the problem with many Christians is, is they're not lost to the devil yet. I said, I said, you're not lost to the devil yet. You say, what do you mean? Remember when you were lost to God? Remember when you were lost to God? That's how God wants you to the devil. He wants you lost to the devil. Where the devil has no access to you. He has no, he can't, he knows that he can't come and just put some little old nasty thought in your mind and you sit there and entertain it. 
He knows he can't entice you to do some little dumb thing that you do by putting some substance in your body or, or going out and doing some stupid. He knows he can't do that anymore. So he's got to figure out some other way to tempt you. He got to figure out some other way to mess with you. Now, in, in teaching on redemption over the years, I include this always in teaching on redemption. So I'm going to kind of pull it out of my redemption, redemptive teaching tonight and, and, and see, if it, see if it doesn't help you. Because we need to be helped. Amen? Go to Romans chapter 5. We'll start there because there's so much in this. And I, I want to keep it simple so that you can make application of it to your life. And by the way, I want to welcome brother. Stand up, Brother Richie Skinner. Praise God. Give him a big hand clap. You can sit down now. <laughs> he's from Brother Pastor Sam, Brother Pastor. He's from Pastor Sam Carr's church, and he is a great blessing. He takes good care of me over there and, and always is a great blessing when we're around him. So I just wanted y'all to see him and everybody say hi to him after the service. Amen. Romans chapter 5. Did I say Romans 5? Verse 12. Now, now look at this. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin... So death passed upon all men for all have sinned. Now, the, the, the act, the trespass that Adam committed resulted in the sin nature entering into humanity. Now, let me say that again. Now, notice what it says in the Scripture. Wherefore, as by one man. Everybody say one man. Now, that one man is Adam. That one man is Adam. His sin, his trespass. Now, let's just clear it up for a moment. He, he, he committed a sin you and I could not commit. He was the master copy of all humanity. His sin was literally the sin of high treason. Just like in the nation, we've, we've talked about this before in our teaching on redemption. Just like in America, there are certain crimes you can't commit. Most of us in here tonight could not commit the crime of high treason. We don't have the, the, the authority. We don't have the government, governmental information. We don't have the position. But you take somebody like our president, you take somebody like our vice president, one of our congressmen, one of our generals, they could commit that crime. You can't do it. You don't have the position to do it. Just like with Adam, he had the position to commit that sin of high treason. He committed trespass by breaking the law of God. And look, the law of God was so simple back then, it was only one law. Only one thing God asked them to do. What? Don't eat that tree. Think of all the trees they had. All the trees of the garden for blessing. All the trees of the garden for food. All the trees of the garden for shade. All the trees of the garden that would flower and that were beautiful. All the trees of the garden. And one of the tactics of the enemy, which we must understand when it comes to the enticement of sin, is to get your eyes off of what you do have and get your eyes on what you can't have. Amen? And that's exactly what Satan did to Eve, to the woman, and to the man, because the man was right there with him. And he got them out of the spirit, into the flesh, got their eyes off all the hundreds and thousands of trees that they could have, and got their eyes on the one tree that they're not supposed to have. That's exactly how sin begins. That's how it begins. Now, when he sinned, he took on the nature of the one that tempted him, him to sin, who is Satan. Satan's nature can be described by one word. It is iniquity, which is a motivation. You ever been motivated to do something? You know, here we are at the beginning of, uh, uh, of uh, the football season, and 
All the teams are motivated to win the championship. Well, for many teams, that motivation begins to wane as they lose. And it begins to increase in other teams as they win. You see what I'm saying? That motivation is something on the inside that motivates them to do something on the outside. So winning is more conducive to winning. Losing losing is more conducive to losing. You know, every once in a while we'll see somebody make a great comeback, but that's rare. Amen. So here the nature of Satan. Now you say, well, how did Satan get that way? Well, we've studied Isaiah 14, uh, Isaiah chapter 14. We've studied Ezekiel 36 and seen the Bible says of Satan, he was perfect in the day in which he was created until iniquity was found in him. He had his eyes on God, his eyes on God, his eyes on God, then he got his eyes on himself. So the real definition, once you boil it all down, of the motivation of the fallen human race is iniquity or selfishness. Me and mine, mine and me, 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 me. Amen? And the more selfish you are, the more yielded you are to that iniquitous spirit. But good news. Everybody say good news. Jesus was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. But the Lord laid upon him what? The iniquity of us all. Now, when you got born again, that iniquitous spirit was destroyed. There is a force that destroyed it. You say, what is that force? It's called death. Death destroyed iniquity. Where did death come, come from? It was supplied for you upon the cross. His death is your death. It is the dying of the iniquitous spirit, and his resurrection is the impartation of the new creature, the righteous spirit that's on the inside of you. Now, in reality, the motivation for sinning has been ruined in you. You say, what do you mean? It's not there anymore, but you're left with your mind and your flesh that was trained by your iniquitous spirit or your selfish spirit. So you've got flesh subject to sin. You've got mind subject to sin. But if you learn to draw on the strength of your righteous spirit, you can overcome, overcome your mind and overcome your flesh by the power of the Word of God and the ability of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you. But it is an effort. One of the phrases we've been using in teaching on the authority of the believer is this ain't for lazy people. It don't work for lazy people. I mean, one of the first things that happened to me 30-something years ago when I got right with God, uh, an evangelist friend of mine, Mark Hankins, great teacher on, on righteousness and, and who we are in Christ, he sent me all of his tapes, all of his in Christ teaching. And I begin to see what my problem was. Listen, until you find the problem, how are you going to implement the answer? I mean, you got an old car, it's broke down, won't run. You can fix everything on the car, but until you find why it wasn't running, it's not going to help you. You can put new tires on there, well, it still doesn't run. You can paint it, it still doesn't run. You can put new interior, it still doesn't run. But it's not until you figure out the carburetor's messed up. You can fix everything else on the car, and it will not run until you fix that which is broken. And when you understand that which is broken, then you can understand how to fix it. So I begin to study those tapes, and I begin to let the road, because I wore them out. I'm, I literally wore them out to where they, they wouldn't even work anymore. 
and I listened to him, and I listened to him, and I found out that I'm a new creature in Christ. I found out that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I found out that he that knew no sin was made sin. So I don't have, so I don't have to struggle with it. But I had to make application of it by believing it in my heart, confessing it with my mouth on a continual basis. You say, well, how long did that take? Uh, 33 years so far. You say, what do you mean? I'm still confessing it every day. Thank you, Father. I'm a righteousness of God in Christ. Thank you that I'm a new creature in Christ. Thank you that old things have passed away, all things are made new. Thank you, Heavenly Father, I was crucified. I mean, I just go through those redemptive scriptures every day. You say, why? Well, because the outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed. How? Day by day. Amen? Now, let's look at this a little further. This may help you. It says, for unto the law, for unto the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. So, so basically all that is saying is, where there's no standard, how can you define sin? That's why the law came to Israel. So they would know that's a sin. God don't like that. God don't like that. God don't like that. And listen, it didn't help them to overcome sin. It just helped them to identify it. Amen? I mean, they couldn't... The presence of God, they, they enjoyed a tangible presence of God that our, that our dispensation, uh, we see it from time to time, but it's rare. But I'm telling you, the presence of God was very dangerous to them. The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies every year. Uh, the Bible says, once, not without blood, for the sins of the people. But if he made one wrong mistake, he fell over dead. They put a rope around his waist. He had bells on, his, on the fringes of his sleeves and, his, and on his skirt. And he'd go in there ringing those bells, ringing those bells. And if the bell stopped ringing, they'd pull him out, throw his old dead body aside, and get the next guy. You're next. You go in there. Who was it? Uh... Uh, Yuza, uh, the, the guy named Yuza, they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back, and it was on a new cart. Shouldn't have been on a new cart. The law said, bear it on staves between those that are a part of the priesthood. But no, David said, I'm going to do it my way. Got me a new cart. And it kind of teetered as, it, as one of the wheels fell. And he, Yuza reached up to steady it, boom, fell dead right there. He didn't do anything to deserve that. He's trying to help God out. Why? Because unregenerate man, iniquitous man cannot stand in the presence of God. So that was the dilemma of that old covenant. But then everyone else, there was, there was, no, there was such lawlessness. Study these old empires. The Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians. Man, they were wicked. I mean wicked to the core. And let me just say this. You ought to thank God you weren't a woman in one of those empires. Because they were traded like sheep. Amen? I mean, I, I mean, Satan took the dignity of the woman, but Jesus gave it back. Isn't that good news? Now notice this. It said, Nevertheless, death, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Now it's hard for me to read that scripture because I'm used to teaching for sometimes three and four days on that one scripture. Because that one scripture is basically saying, no matter how big the fall may have looked, redemption is a million times bigger. That means no matter how strong sin had a hold on you, redemption has broken it off you. But you're going to have to let it do it. 
You've got to let the word do its work. Now, now it says uh, in verse 16, so I, so I won't get stuck on that scripture, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is, it, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. That means every trespass you've ever committed, past, present, and future has already been taken care of. Oh, that's great. That means I can just go out and do anything. No, it doesn't. I preached this one time and somebody said, you're just giving people a license to sin. They don't need a license. They do it anyway. This is the good news of how the redemptive work of Christ has so completely eradicated the trespasses that mankind commits that you can be free from not only what you used to do. Are you with me? But what you're tempted to do, knowing that I will not repeat it in the future because I've been made free by what Jesus Christ has done. Now, how's my time? Doing good. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned, everybody say death reigned, by one much more they that receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Let me read it in the Amplified. Oh, I love it in the Amplified. For if because one man's trespass, lapse, offense, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, Reign as kings in life through one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Now, let me try that again. Oh, how can I do that? It says we will what? Reign as what? Reign as kings. How do kings reign? Does anybody know? They reign through their words, through their decrees. So God says, you are going to reign in life by what you say. Ah, there you go again, preaching like name it and claim it. So I'm telling you, you can't get away from it. If you're not actively participating in a continual confession of the redemptive truths about your life, you're not going forward, honey, you're going backwards. You're sliding back. Every day needs to be a proclamation. Now listen, this works with healing. This works with prosperity. This works with deliverance. This works with every area of life. I'm telling you just the proclamation. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Thank God that old arthritis has passed away. That old diabetes has passed away. That old sickness, that old disease, that old addiction, that old mind. I mean, you, whatever you want to insert in there, it'll work if you work it. And that's just one scripture. Amen? Now, go down, go to chapter 6, just for the sake of time. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we, now notice the phrase, that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not, now listen to this, that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Now, this is not water baptism. We're not water baptized into his death. You say, what do you mean by that? 
were water baptized, showing forth the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But the new birth begins with a baptism or an immersion into his death. You say, why? Because you needed to die. God's not, you know, these, these TV programs, uh, uh, Leah watches one from where, Waco or somewhere where they do, they fix up these old houses, fixer-uppers. God's not in the fixer-upper business. He's not in the fixer-upper business. He's a spirit being. He's God Almighty. He's God, all, uh, God eternal. And he's not, he didn't send Jesus to, to do a fixer-upper job on you. He began with what? Supplying something that you can supply for yourself. You say, what do you mean? You can supply yourself with a death. But the problem is you can't supply yourself with a, with a resurrection. So he supplied both a death and a resurrection for you. Where the old you can die on the cross with him and the new you can come out of the tomb, baptized into his death where death has done its work. In your life. You say, what kind of death, uh, what kind of work can death do in my life? Death, the word death, when it comes to redemptive terms, means separation. His death separated you from unrighteousness. His death separated you from iniquity. His death has separated you from sickness and disease. His death has separated you from poverty and lack. He took it all upon himself. Isaiah 53. The Bible says his visage, was, his visage was so marred. He didn't even look like a human being. He was in agony. He writhed in pain upon the cross because all the sickness, all the disease, all of that which was wrong with the human race was put on him. And he died with it. He took it to the place of death. Now it's separated from you. Everybody say separated. Now hold on, hold on. It gets better. Therefore, everybody say therefore. We are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Not changed life, new life. Oh, when I got saved, I, got, I, I changed. When I, no, you didn't change. You got made brand new. If you will only reckon yourself. Everybody say reckon yourself. Now, now hold on. Where's that scripture? Okay, I'll do that, Lord. Verse 5. I don't want to get ahead of myself. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. The Bible says in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians, it says, For the preaching of the cross is unto them that perish foolishness. But unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. What is the power of God that's connected to the cross? The power of God to take the ability of the cross and spread it out over all of humanity so that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, the power of the cross begins the process of redemption beginning in your life. You get separated from who you used to be, what you used to have, what you used to do, and God, through the resurrection, imparts brand new life to you. Not change life, new life. Not a fixer-upper, right off the showroom floor. Next year's model. Still got the paper on the window. Say, what does your spirit look like? It still has the paper on the window. Remember your first car? You tried to keep that paper on there as long as you could. Come on, you know you did. 
You didn't want to scrape that paper off. You said, well, because it was new. Well, you got the paper on the window in your spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And when, it's, when it comes down to that line down there where the price is, it says the blood of Jesus. Amen. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not, now notice the term, serve, true translation, be a slave to sin. Amen. Now notice this. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, a lot of people's problem when it comes to sin is you're just not dead enough yet. Amen? You're still trying to keep something alive. You're dragging around the old man. He stinks. He's dead. Amen? The lust, all that kind of stuff. And those are the most, I've never, those are the most miserable people in the world. Those that, you say, why? Well, because I was one for 12 years. Well, I thought she was having a good time. No, it just looked like it. But inside, there's that emptiness. You're not in fellowship with your father. You know you're doing wrong. And if you keep practicing that kind of stuff, all it does is bring destruction to your life. Now notice this, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe also we shall live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from, from, from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now notice this, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed. Now notice that again. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed. Let me read that again. Likewise, reckon. Everybody say reckon. Now, I, I, I saw this one time. I was watching a tombstone. Does anybody like westerns? That's my favorite. I think there's four movies made about the gunfight at the OK Corral. And that's my favorite. I like Kurt Russell and uh, who plays Doc Holliday? Val Kilmer. So, one of them, it's kind of at the end of the movie, and one of them is saying to Doc Holliday, you know, Wyatt is just wanting to avenge his brother's death. And Doc Holliday says, no, that's not it. Some of y'all remember this, this, this. He said, it's the reckoning. And I used to think, What's, what does he mean by that? What, what, what do you mean it's the reckoning? And then I, this scripture used to bug me. I, I'd read it and say, it's the reckoning. Uh, it's, it's likewise reckon you, ye yourselves also. So I went and studied the word. Now listen to what it says. Reckon, to reckon, is to believe something is true or possible. To estimate, to compute, to determine by reference a fixed basis. Now, what Val Kilmer was saying was this. What, what Doc Holliday was saying this. It's the reckoning. No, this is the result of what all those guys have done. It's not just the guy's brother getting killed. It's not just that he's wounded. They've been criminals. They've been stealing cattle. They've been doing this, been doing that. All this bad stuff. It's culminating in this one event. Justice is coming to them. It's the reckoning. And there was what? A basis for it. Remember why it got the U.S. Marshal's badge? It was the reckoning. Now notice what it says here. It says, 
likewise reckon. You say, what do you mean? You have a basis to believe something is true or possible. Now it says, here's another part of the definition. To accept something as certain. So you reckon this is absolutely certain. Well, you were in prison for 20 years and you did all this bad stuff and you robbed banks and you did, but no, no, I reckon myself to be identified with that which Christ has done through his death, burial, and resurrection. His death has, has imparted death to me so that I'm no longer the person I used to be. I'm a new creature. His resurrection has brought new life to my spirit. Now I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I reckon it. I have a basis to believe it. Christ hath done it. It is mine. I accept it. I receive it. I walk in it every day. I confess it every day. I declare it to anybody who wants to hear it. It's the reckoning. Are you with me? So it says, now listen, this is, this is good. I think I can, I think I can end it here. Likewise, reckon yourselves also to be dead indeed. Why? We have a basis for it. Unto sin, but alive unto God. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. There's going to have to be times when that old habit, that old addiction, that old mindset, that old pornographic thought, it comes into your mind, where you just stop and say, no! In Jesus' name, I'm dead to that. No marijuana. No alcohol. No tobacco. No, I'm dead to that in the name of Jesus. Amen. And the devil said, how are you dead to that? You say, by the power of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's been a reckoning, devil. And this is the culmination of it, my freedom. Mm -mm. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members instruments of righteousness unto God. Now, I'll stop there. You say, what do you mean? Now it brings in the instruments of sin, which is our members, our faculties, our hands, our feet, our eyes, our ears, our mouth, you can't, how can I say this? Just like you can't mentally assent to faith, you can't mentally assent to sin. You say, what do you mean by that? You got to do it. Faith, you got to do it. Sin, you got to do it. So this gives us a little insight on how to begin to make application of this beautiful resurrection power and power of the cross, which is death. You say, how? You've got to use it against that which wars in your members. I don't roll no reefer no more. You say, well, man, I tell you, I, just, I quit smoking weed years ago, and I, I came home, and there was a bag of weed on my table, and Three joints were rolled and one was lit in the ashtray and I don't know how that. Now that, 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 that's your, your line member, which is that thing under your nose. Because the Bible declares there's no temptation taken us such as is common to man. That means the Satan can only use common temptation. He can't tempt you supernaturally. He said, well, he did it to Jesus. No, everything that happened to Jesus took place in his mind. 
That took place in his mind. Took place in his mind. Just like it happens in you. It comes to your mind. It looks for a place in which it can be entertained. I mean, somebody comes, knocks on your door, and you say, and then they say to you, you know, you go to the, maybe you got a peephole or a window, you look at it, I say, yeah, can I help you? I want to come in, and I want to steal everything you have. I want to beat you to a bloody pot. They say, well, come on in. Can I get you a glass of iced tea first? Can I fix you something to eat before you get started? That's called entertaining. And you may laugh at that, but a lot of people do that with thoughts that come into their mind. And not just thoughts of, of smoking dope or getting drunk or doing some promiscuous thing. Thoughts of sickness. Thoughts of poverty and lack. You just, they knock on your door of your mind and you say, well, come on in. Let me entertain you. And as, they enter, as you entertain them, then they begin, take, they begin to take the ascendancy over your members. The first thing they're looking for is for you to say it. Because they know if you say it, then you'll give life to it. Amen. So it's a constant, already won battle that if you will enter into and begin to do. Now, let's go right back to the, to the first part of the message, and I think this may help you. If you just want to live good, then you'll be religious. That's what you'll be. You'll be religious. And you'll be pious, and you'll be, you'll be self-righteous, and you'll be proud. And you'll hide, you'll hide your sin. Amen. And you'll 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 hide your your pride and your fear will hide your sin. And then everything anytime anything that comes out publicly where people can see you who you really are, then what you'll do is you'll blame it on somebody else. You'll become a victim. A victim of your race, a victim of your gender, a victim of your uh, financial lot in life, a, a victim of your education, not enough or too much, a victim of your employment. Got to work all the time or have no work at all? And that puts you right back. And listen, there's nothing new under the sun. That puts you right back into the Adamic pattern. And here you are, a child of God. And the picture is painted for us already. You're the, you're, you're the prodigal son living in the pig pen. Eating, eating the husk of the unclean world system. But the Bible says he came to himself. And if you'll just come to yourself, quit blaming everybody else. Quit blaming all your, all your uh, problems, your anger, your bitterness. Quit blaming that on everybody else. Because we've always got to say, well, it's their fault, and, and it's their fault, and, and it's their fault. Well, you know what? The problem, I like what Brother Osteen said years ago. He said, every time you point one finger, you got three pointing right back at you. You ever notice that? And one of the greatest deliverances of your life is from self. Amen. And when you, when you get delivered from that and begin to declare, well, you know, I'm just going to let all that go. I'm a new creature. I'm going to let old things pass away. All things are new for me. And I'm going to make application of these redemptive truths. I'm not going to let sin dominate me. Then you're already, you're already a winner. You're already more than a conqueror. Because you can live a good life and still struggle and be miserable. And you have big ups and big downs and but Jesus said, I've come to bring the mountains down and bring the valleys up. Amen? So that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. And through redemptive realities of already overcoming sin for you and entering into what Christ has done, you begin to realize, hey, man, 
glory to God, what God has done for me in Christ is so much bigger than anything that ever happened to me because of my first birth. I'm telling you, my righteousness is so much bigger than my sin. My healing is so much bigger than my sickness and disease. My prosperity is so much bigger than my poverty. Why in the world will people not cooperate with the Word of God? When it does, it has so much power to deliver, so much power to set free. It changes everything once newness has happened. Then the Bible says we are what? We are changed from faith to faith and from glory to glory by the Word of God. Amen? Does that help you tonight? Lift up your hands and worship God. Father, I thank you tonight for your Word, that the life that flows from your Word touches and impacts every person in this place. Now say this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. All things are new for me. I thank you, Lord. He that knew no sin, the spotless, precious Lamb of God, was made sin on my behalf. Because of that, I am, I am, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Sin, you do not have dominion over me for I am dead I am dead his death is my death his life is my life I am free by the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection I declare I am more than a conqueror greater is he that is in me than he that is in the earth no weapon formed against me shall ever prosper I thank you, Heavenly Father. There's been a reckoning 2,000 years ago. I have a basis to compute and calculate my deliverance and make application to my life. Members, you shall not enter into sin. My spirit man reigns and rules as a king over my flesh, over my mind, so that I might walk in the continual victory Christ has provided for me in Jesus' name. Now thank God for it. Come on, thank God for it. Come on, thank God for it. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Now, let me just say this. Get into the letters to the church. Write the scriptures down that talk about who you are, what you have, what you can do in Christ. In Christ, in whom, in Him. I think there's like 238 of them. Begin every day to meditate, begin to speak them. If you will do that, you will find that your spirit will be empowered to take the ascendancy over your flesh and mind. And you literally will enjoy victory like you never have in your life before. You will no longer be needing you will be giving out. You won't be chased by the devil. You'll be chasing him. Amen. And everything about your life, no matter what you've been going through, no matter what's happened to you, listen, it'll, it'll become so separated from you, you'll wonder who that person used to be. And everything in the future will be so bright for you because you know that by the words of your testimony, how are we overcomers? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And what I just taught you tonight is the word of your testimony. That's your righteous testimony. But you've got to tell it 
every day. Amen. Stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessing. Father, we thank you tonight for Psalms 91, and we declare it in Jesus' name. No evil befalls us. No plague comes to our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Father, as we, as we drive or travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways. We are protected and blessed of God. Thank you, Father, in the righteous labor of our hands tomorrow. We thank you, Father. We are not subject to accidents, trauma, terror, evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We are protected and abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, give us that door of utterance. Let us speak boldly in the name of Jesus. Let us be a blessing to people as we walk in love toward the hurting. Father, I thank you. Tomorrow, we will be an answer to somebody's prayer. We will be a miracle in somebody's life. We, Heavenly Father, will be a problem to the devil. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord. Here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday. Don't forget prayer on Saturday night. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.